When it's time to seed grass, fertilize turf, or add a pop of color to your yard, Blaine's Farm and Fleet's got you covered with unbeatable deals on lawn and garden essentials. Find value on everything you need in-store or online at farmandfleet.com. You bet she thinks your tractor's sexy. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Young. Well, and I'll bet a bunch of people that were in Wisconsin Dells over the weekend thought your tractor was sexy, too. I'm talking about the 92nd Wisconsin State Farmers Union Convention. Wrapped up on Saturday in Wisconsin Dells, our own Charity Seebecker was there, along with Jill Welke. We've got some of the results, some of the honorees that were recognized. Stick around for that. I am Farm Director Pam Yonke. Glad to be along with you on a Monday morning. Uh, Weather-wise, it looks like it's going to stay fairly mild. Uh, Still some precipitation in the forecast. We'll have to watch the temperatures. Today, cloudy skies and 37. Tomorrow, cloudy skies and 38. Good 70% chance of precipitation moving in on Tuesday. 60% chance of rain on Wednesday with a high around 42. Now, I understand that uh, places like western Minnesota are in the crosshairs for some major snowfall. We'll talk about that with Stu Mucker, Ag Meteorologist, on the way. Rhodes Warm and Serve Rolls are exactly what your meal has been missing. Whether you prefer a soft white roll, an artisan French-style roll, or the tang of sourdough, Rhodes has a roll for you. We mix, knead, and bake them in Columbus, Wisconsin, then freeze them to keep them fresh and send them off to your favorite grocery store. All you have to do is heat the rolls up and serve them with a smile. Find Rhodes Rolls in the freezer section today. The 2022 growing season is over and a mixed bag, depending on where you were. You got some dry weather, you had some insects, you had some disease. Bob Bosel here at the northern end of the world's longest barn. And uh, Pam, it seemed like every time you went in a different direction and asked Farmer about uh, how the crops are looking, you got a different answer. What? What's the final say? I, well, I think you're right. It depends where you ask the question, Bob. Fabulous Farm Bay Pam Yankee, the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison. And you're right. You know, if you stop and think about what most growers expected at the beginning of the growing season versus what they got, and then at the end of the growing season versus what they worked with, uh, our, our crystal ball was probably a wee bit cloudy. Now, imagine being a university extension specialist that has to try to have your research work Pivot with the weather, pivot with some of the challenges that were presented. 2022 is one of those interesting years, according to Dr. Damon Smith, University Extension plant pathologist. In fact, they have been making their way across the state of Wisconsin, having their concentrated agronomy meetings, sharing their results. And I started off just talking with Damon Smith about uh, some of his observations and the fact that there wasn't anything predictable about the growing season of 2022. Sure did. You know, we were expecting one thing and ended up with another at the end of the season, you know, and, and, you know, it really helped us out though, because we learned a lot on the research side of things. Um, you know, tar spot came in, we thought it was really going to blow up. It sort of subsided. And then at the end of the season sort of finished out, you know, increasing in the crop. It wasn't as big of a yield hit as we saw in 2021, but uh, certainly learned uh, from it this year. And it was good uh, from a research standpoint to have sort of a middle of the road year, you know, not the, not the train wreck of 2021, you know, when it came to soybeans, same sort of thing, you know, some folks just got a little bit caught off guard uh, with white mold because it turned dry and, and we sort of 
uh, settled in, but we, man, we got a good look at certain varieties that were highly susceptible out there. So there were certainly some pockets of white mold out there in soybeans. I know that a lot of people I talked to were ready to pivot fast when it came to a fungicide, not just once, but twice this year. Remind people, we started out wet in many areas of the state. I think that put everybody's flags up as far as white mold. And like you said, all of a sudden we get dry, huh? We'll relax. Explain to people how that white mold spore works. Yeah, it's uh, so we we there's a couple of things that have to happen on the crop side of things too, and uh, in, including uh, you know can, canopy closure. So those uh, farmers that are on wider row spacings, like a 30 inch row spacing, we we have to have uh, quite a bit of between row closure. Uh, if you're on a 15 inch row spacing, that usually isn't as big of an issue because you almost always meet that. Um, that that particular situation. So once that happens and we have bloom start, uh, typically the, those spore releases are, start to coincide with that as long as we've had uh, enough moisture. And that was what sort of had us uh, guessing what was going to happen this year. And, and what we have seen, you know, uh, the last few years and also this year is that we start to get a little more wet towards the end of July and, and early August. You know, we've had drier Julys recently. And so what that's doing is it's actually pushing those spore flights a little later in that bloom time. And so, you know, five, six years ago, I was recommending a lot of applications of fungicides right when we saw first bloom. And I've sort of cooled off on that. And I've, I've changed that based on our data. You know, we're starting to see more success actually uh, closer to that initial um, uh, pod onset. So, you know, you sort of have to watch what's going on. Again, that bloom time, really, really important, knowing whether you have that between-row closure, uh, flowers present, and then watching that weather to really make that decision. Now, I want to go back just a bit. For people that aren't familiar, Dr. Smith and his team developed Sporecaster and iterations of Sporecaster. Basically, it's a, a mobile app that allows you to not only estimate your vulnerability, but it also helps you, Damon, with knowledge about what's happening around the state. How was the uptake on Sporecaster this year? It's in-field use, and did it help you? Yeah, we've seen Sporecaster use increase every year. We're up well over 6,000 users, uh, and, and that's not just in Wisconsin. That's across the upper Midwest where white mold uh, really is a problem. And, you know, in Wisconsin, we consider this a really important problem, but when we look at the overall acreage effect, it's actually rather small. So it's impressive that we actually have, you know, 6,000-plus users uh, of Sporecaster. But uh, it is really helpful. It helps us look at across the geography and see where that risk potentially is uh, helps us make some recommendations on the fly based on what we're seeing in terms of those risk indices, uh, and then we use a lot of that information and actually feed that back into the tool. So a lot of folks think we just built that tool and left it alone. That isn't true. We actually go in every winter. So this time of year, we're actually going in, we're taking what we learned in the previous season, and we're actually updating that tool, and we try to keep it uh, relevant uh, to you know what's what's coming ahead. You know, we uh, talked about the fact that. Uh we went went from a, a practice of one fungicide application at Bloom to last year multiple applications. What did you see this year, Damon? How was availability of fungicides? Was there any one more effective the, than the other? And you also mentioned varieties. We don't have to spill the beans exactly, but tell people where they can find that kind of information. Yeah. Uh, so in terms of you know this whole fungicide application timing thing we like i said we've seen it shift last year great example you know we probably needed two applications to kind of span that whole bloom time because the risk was 
really conducive across the whole time. This year, again, because it sort of shifted later on, we actually saw a single well-timed application of the R3 actually carried the full load. And we had some two pass programs that were basically equally as effective. So that tells us that a lot of the work was done at that that sort of beginning pod um, development growth stage. So that's been really interesting to look at. Uh, we've also been looking at application technology. We're starting to look at these 360 drop nozzles that have been, you know, come on the scene. Uh, we're seeing some really interesting results with some efficacy actually boosted where we put these fungicides on below the canopy. Because uh, uh, where the spores actually go, they actually affect the mid-stem region of the soybean plant. So, you know, it makes sense if we're applying our fungicide as a barrier, we want it on that mid-stem, and that 360 drop nozzle helps us get it there. In terms of varieties, we, you know, like I said, we've seen a wide range in variety susceptibility and resistance out there. A great place to look is Sean Conley's uh, variety trial testing book. So they actually have uh, white mold ratings in certain locations where they have white mold show up, and they report that. Uh, so, you know, feel free to check those out. Company ratings also are available for, for white mold across uh, all the major uh, seed uh, sources and then work with your local uh, seed rep. They know which varieties are performing well versus not in terms of that disease susceptibility. You know, keep in mind, though, you know, th- the resistance isn't perfect. So even a, you know, highly resistant variety, that resistance is only partial. It gets us part of the way there. And in really conducive environments, we may still need a fungicide application on top. Well, and like you said, although it may hurt you to see your beans fall victim, in the big picture, acreage-wise, it's not very big. So maybe those companies are not necessarily dedicating a lot of attention to those genetics? Yeah, that can be the case, too. You know, Although <laughs> we've seen... Certain varieties that are really important get hit hard, and so you know those varieties end up catching the attention of those companies. So there is an active, uh, you know, resistance breeding uh, or multiple resistance breeding programs out there across the major companies. We work with a lot of the companies to try to screen their genetics for them and help them out with this. So it's not like we're just you know, sort of apart from the companies, we are trying to help them get a handle on that. And it is tough. It's, you know, part of the problem here is that there are no specific genetic regions that we can tie to like we can with some diseases in corn. And so trying to actually make those selections is is just really, really difficult and progress is slow. I imagine we'll look forward to hearing more on that subject and others during the Wisconsin Corn Soy Expo. Don't forget about that big event. That is going to be the first week of February, February 2nd and 3rd. Cornsoyexpo.org has got details. Dr. Damon Smith along with me. He's our University Extension plant pathologist pointing the way towards some of the questions that still need answers for the growing season of 2023. From the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison, I'm Farm Director Pam Yonke. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Yonke. White mold and sudden death syndrome are two of the most important fungal diseases in soybean production today. But did you know 40 to 50 million acres in the north central region are affected annually? When every season has different disease challenges, the question becomes, how can you ensure the best start for your soybeans no matter what? The answer is Heads Up. Trusted by growers across the Midwest, Heads Up offers a new mode of action to prime your beans to help fight fungal disease. Compatible and cost-effective. For more information, visit HeadsUpST.com. In the field, the right partner can make all the difference. One that's dependable, straightforward, and is there when you need them. 
That's LG Seeds. From our hybrids and soybean varieties to our service and support, reliability is in everything we do. Start this season right with LG Seeds. Talk to your local dealer or visit lgseeds.com for more information. This looks like a car. Has tires, headlights, a hood, windshield wipers. The doors look like car doors. Open like them too. There's a front seat, back seat, steering wheel. 99.9% .9 of the time, this would be a car. But it's not. This is a bedroom. Anita Washington's for five weeks. There are people like Anita all across Dane County. And because the need is there, so are we. This year, we'll provide Anita and other women, children, and men with nearly 20,000 nights of shelter. Just one part of more than $1.4 million in food, clothing, furniture, and other goods and services we provide. We're St. Vincent de Paul, helping our neighbors in need. Sows, cows, plows. Heck, anything connected to farming's on the menu here. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngkin. Yeah, and it looks like the weather menu is going to get interesting as the week unfolds. It was an interesting weekend for a lot of folks that were trying to make their way around, including those 200-plus that made it up to Wisconsin Dells for the Wisconsin Farmers Union 92nd Annual Convention. More on that coming up. Time to check in on ag weather for this week. Brought to you courtesy of Compure Financial, Stumach Ag Meteorologist along with us. You know, I, it was very interesting. So I was up in Green Bay for most of the weekend not uh nothing on the ground up there but then southern wisconsin really got hit but by the middle of the week that doesn't sound like it's going to be a much in regards to even a trace of snow left huh no the temperatures are mild enough i mean uh, upper 30s could be in the 40s on wednesday so if there's a little snow on the ground here and there it's it's in danger of leaving us but we're going to have some rain moving on with that and the winds get a whole lot stronger I mean, we've had a little break here from winds for like a week. The winds are going to kick up quite a bit already Tuesday, Wednesday. I mean, wind gusts up around to 40 and 35 and 40 miles per hour, not out of the question at all. And there will be some snow chance to deal with also. We looked to low pressure today, way out to our west, way out around that Montana, Wyoming area. The system providing some snow and the like in the Rockies. Nothing too big. It doesn't look like a major storm right now. But believe it or not, that system is set to intensify, to get stronger as it builds east. And it will suck up some moisture from the Gulf of Mexico. That's streaming north in our way. And there's cold air just north into Canada as well. So as all of this works together and that low heads into the plains, there is going to be precipitation. A lot of us are going to talk about rain. Further north is where we start to think about snow and ice and the like. In fact, there's already a winter storm warning in north-central Wisconsin from 6 p.m. Tuesday to midnight on Wednesday for Wood and Portage and Clark and Marathon County up toward Chippewa Taylor, that whole northwest part of the state then. That's where they expect some snow, and there could be some ice buildup with it as well. It could be a couple of tenths of an inch of ice building up before snow builds in there. Generally, as I look at La Crosse, Mauston, into Madison, and, and Beaver Dam, and Fond du Lac, and Oshkosh, 
We're going to talk about some rain. Oh, it could change to a little snow or a little freezing rain later Tuesday or on toward later Wednesday. But overall, I think rain and some windy conditions with fairly mild temperatures will be the name of the game. Rainfall amounts, pretty easy adding up into the quarter and half inch amount. Uh, could push up to near an inch in total from Tuesday night through Wednesday and into Wednesday night. So if your rain gauge is still out, make sure it's cleaned out. There's not an ice cube in it. And you'll be able to have some rain amounts as we start looking toward midweek because we are going to get plenty of moisture out of this. And, of course, as I talked about the strong winds, the temperatures will begin to cool somewhat, but not too drastically. In fact, even looking to Friday, I still expect us to be around normal in the lower 30s. The weekend, we do dry out and then get cooler. Daytime highs in the 20s. That's how I expect we start into next week as well with a, a little cooler than normal spell. But after all that moisture and the, the rain that I think most of us are going to see, probably leads to a little ice formation out in driveways around farm buildings, things like that. So we'll have to be a little extra careful about that as well. So it looks like there's going to be a lot of changes in precipitation. We're going to watch it build in and get quite, quite a bit stronger before it gets here. And we'll find out how it's going to work out as the days get closer. I'll have forecast details right after this. As a dairy farmer, you depend on your milk receiver pump. McFinn Technologies of Kenosha introduces the impressive Bowpeller pump. It's quieter, there's lower maintenance, as the seals last much longer than your old milk receiver pump. It offers a more powerful cleaning cycle with higher velocities, and it doesn't degrade the quality of your milk. Ask your dealer for the Bowpeller milk receiver pump, patented by McFinn Technologies, an American company committed to providing a better product for the dairy industry. Rhodes Warm and Serve Rolls are exactly what your meal has been missing. Whether you prefer a soft white roll, an artisan French style roll, or the tang of sourdough, Rhodes has a roll for you. We mix, knead, and bake them in Columbus, Wisconsin, then freeze them to keep them fresh and send them off to your favorite grocery store. All you have to do is heat the rolls up and serve them with a smile. Find Rhodes Rolls in the freezer section today. All right, so the swirling weather will slowly creep its way towards us, but at least for right now, it looks pretty manageable, Stu. Yeah, today sounds great. Tomorrow, not too bad until we get on a little later in the day. So our Compere Financial Ag Weather Update does indeed call for cloudy skies on this Monday, and not a bad day. I think a lot of us will get into the upper 30s, 36, 37 degrees or so, and the east winds will be around 5 to 10. Cloudy tonight, not too bad as we hold on or closer to 30, kind of like we have this morning. Southeast winds, we are on 5 to 15. Tuesday's cloudy, and then that rain chance builds in. It could be already in the morning at La Crosse, and then midday or afternoon, the further you head east, just some light rain getting underway a tenth of an inch or so. Upper 30s and breezy, southeast winds 10 to 20, gusting to 35. On Wednesday, we're still going to talk about that rain, a breezy day. I'd expect temperatures to be fairly mild in southern Wisconsin, up in the 40s, upper 30s over toward La Crosse and Boston, a little cooler in the west already. The southeast winds 10 to 20, gust to 35. Pam, I'd say rain amounts Tuesday night and Wednesday, probably the big rain days, could push us up to an inch or just a little bit over, and the snow should stay a little further north, but you never know, it could wrap into here as well. Well, let's see what those wind patterns do to us, and we'll catch up on the details tomorrow. Sounds like a plan. All right, man. Stu our Ag Meteorologist, with your Compure Financial Ag Weather Update on a Monday. Compure Financial is your financial partner. Committed to agriculture in rural America. Visit Compure.com. 
Com. Coming up, we're giving you more details from the 92nd Wisconsin Farmers Union State Convention that wrapped up Saturday in Wisconsin Dells. Plenty of honorees, and we'll have all the details and pictures up at MidwestFarmReport.com a little bit later this morning. Uh, Charity Seebecker was up there, as well as uh, Jill Welke. So plenty of stories and conversations coming from the 92nd Annual. And congratulations again, Darren Von Ruden, who dairy is a dairy producer by Westby, uh, has now transitioned his farm onto the fourth generation, uh, giving him enough time to step back into the saddle as far as president of the Wisconsin Farmers Union. Like I said, more details that on the way. Stick around. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. In the field, it's good to have a friend you can count on. One that's hardworking, trustworthy always shows up, just like LG Seeds. Our corn hybrids and soybean varieties deliver consistent performance across all your acres, giving you reliable yield you can expect. Start this season right with LG Seeds. Talk to your local dealer or visit lgseeds.com for more information. Not only is William Thomas Custom Jewelry known for creating unique pieces, they're unique in their approach. They actually encourage you to shop around at other jewelry stores first. You'll quickly realize that William Thomas is no doubt your forever jewelry resource. Experience William Thomas Custom Jewelry. They'll help you create a one-of-a-kind piece that you'll be proud to wear from day one. William Thomas Custom Jewelry. Your inspiration, your custom jeweler. Sweet of Metal Roofing customers choose us because they don't want to worry about their roof anymore. There's no curling, it won't blow off, and you won't find granules in your gutters. It's one and done. It is the last roof you'll ever need. I'm Mike. And Mary Sweeta. Enjoy the long-lasting architectural strength and beauty of a Sweeta Metal Roof. S-W-I-T-A MetalRoofing.com Sweeta Metal Roofing, the last roof you'll ever need. You wear the same size, you do the same workout, yet her butt is high and tight. And let's face it, she's smoking hot. While you're just another sweaty Betty, what you don't know is while you're putting in extra time grunting it out at the gym, she is relaxing poolside. And why? Because she comes to Carbon World Health for FDA-approved M-Sculpt treatments. Her butt is a work of art because this technology is state-of-the-art. CarbonWorldHealth.com we're known for our sweet moves, but what you might not know is that we can store your stuff too. Yep, from one day to one year. We can hold on to your things on our trucks or in our warehouse. This is Brenda from Mad City Moving. We call that the unexpected storage move. Mad City Moving dominates any move. Their crew will handle your things well, like your things deserve to be handled. Online at madcitymoving.com. Mad City Moving. Mad City Moving. You haven't seen moves like is your biggest fear of having dermal filler in the face looking overdone? You are not alone. A skincare minute with skincare expert Michelle Neeson. Dermal filler treatments at Rejuvenation Clinic of Sauk Prairie restore fullness and fill in wrinkles in areas of the face, such as the cheeks, under eyes, lips, and around the mouth. It's very difficult to look overdone with non surgical dermal fillers due to the amount that's typically injected. Did you know that one syringe of filler equals one-fifth of a teaspoon? 
One fast food ketchup packet is equivalent to eight syringes. As long as your treatment is performed by a skilled medical professional, you should have the natural looking results you desire. Let your natural beauty shine through. Visit us at rejuvenationclinicofsaukprairie.com. While you spent a lot more time around your home the last couple of years, you may have noticed a few things you'd like to have spruced up. Sign up for W.E. Davies Handyman Membership and they'll help you stay ahead of the maintenance and repairs with a professional result. Boycott putting things off. W.E. Davies & Sons Remodeling brings a fresh perspective to your building project. We're a local family business with services from handyman fixes to living space upgrades. For stunning, transformative results, visit wedaviesremodeling.com. Create the floors you love this season with DIY and budget-friendly flooring from Wiseway. With Wiseway Flooring's direction, you'll only need to be moderately handy to accomplish brand new floors. I'm Mike Yenser at Wiseway Flooring, inviting you to visit our showroom in Watertown, Lake Mills, and Economwalk. See how our do-it-yourself products might be the right thing for you. Commercial or residential, the wise have it. Log on to INeedFlooringNow.com. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. Rural Mutual is the number one farm insurer in Wisconsin for a good reason. As a company founded by farmers, they understand the ag industry and its challenges. Local agents offer farm families the best advice and personalized coverage. Visit RuralMutual.com to find an agent near you. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. How much money do the Milwaukee Brewers have in relation to what other teams in Major League Baseball are doing right now? Like the big three for the Yankees, they make over a billion dollars. They make more than the entire Miami Marlins organization. Is it the have and the have-nots in baseball, or is it the willing and unwilling to spend (laughs) to try and turn a profit? Now, this is the current number for the active payroll. The current payroll for the Milwaukee Brewers is $42 million. That's a gas, man. Now, that's a little misleading because that does not take into account any of the players that are up for arbitration. Sure. So the players that are up for arbitration would be like your Brandon Woodruff's, Corbin Burns, Willie Adamas's. Eric Lowers, Adrian, it's like most of your roster. So granted that $40 million is basically just talking about like Christian Yelich. It's talking about all the guys that are already uh, pre-arbitration that are basically making league minimum. So yeah, everyone else hasn't been really accounted for for the most part when we're, we're talking about the uh, $42 million payroll, but with the projected arbitration cases and where they will settle their current team roster, the projected total payroll right now after arbitration would be about $112.5 million. Rowdy, uh, during winter meetings, in which other teams doled out more than $1.5 billion with the B to free agents over four days. This is from Adam McKelvey. Four days, $1.5 billion. New president of baseball operations, Matt Arnold, and manager Craig Council spoke about the challenge of trying to reach the same goal 
but in an entirely different way. Craig Council said, quote, in our market, we've realized this is how we're going to have to operate. I don't always find it frustrating. I think it's the world we're in. I'm good with it. We're good with it. What it means is that our offseason doesn't look like the other team's offseason, and that's okay. He said, but I think we've shown, and everyone in our organization has shown, we can still find a way to put a really good team out on the field. You want to know what's hilarious? Yes, I do. The fact that we're talking about the Brewers' payroll currently is $42 million pre-arm. Should be about one hundred and twelve and a half when it's all said and done if they did not add to this roster after arbitration. The Mets, before arbitration, they are number one in baseball. And before their arbitration cases are even settled, they have not even rounded out their entire entire 40-man roster. They are at over $255.5 Oh, man. <sighs> okay, is it, is it the Brewers just unwilling to spend money? To turn a bigger prop because you imagine if you spend more money right on better acquisitions, you in theory would have better players, therefore a better product on the field. More people would come to the ballpark, spend money, buy more merchandise. You would get more opportunities to have that happen too as you get to the playoffs in advance. More tickets, more money, more sales, more merchandise that you would then have a profit. I think it's a little bit of both. Yeah. But if I'm looking, if I'm looking at these, the thirty. Major League Baseball clubs, right? Pre-arbitration, again, currently payroll ranking, the Milwaukee Brewers are 24th out of 30. The teams that are below them are the Cleveland Guardians, who have an extremely young team, the Kansas City Royals, the Tampa Bay Rays, the Pittsburgh Pirates, the Baltimore Orioles, and the Oakland Athletics. Now, I'm granted, just, sorry, I'm just I'm just taking it all. They're away. going to pass some of the teams that are currently ahead of them, like the Miami Marlins, the Cincinnati Reds, the Washington Nationals, probably the Diamondbacks. They're going to pass those handful of teams once the arbitration hits, because the Brewers have a lot of their roster right now tied up in pre-arb cases. Yeah. So yeah, they'll they'll probably add what one, two, three, four, probably at least five slots on to being ahead of those teams, but that that still puts you in the bottom 10. Uh, what about, okay, so the Miami Marlins are And a lot of those teams bottom. are bad yeah. with extremely young players and or are rebuilding, so they have like league minimum type guys or prospects playing. They're not signing or have the Christian Yelich's of the world signed. They don't have the Brandon Woodruff's or the Corbin Burns or even the Jesse Winkers on their roster. Because we know your barn smells like money. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. You don't like to think about it. A barn fire, a manure spill, a collapsed roof. But uh, tragedies do happen on Wisconsin farms. Are you ready for them? Do you have a plan of action? What happens if animals are injured or killed? Uh, How do you talk to your neighbors about these things? We're discussing it with Brenda Murphy from Dairy Farmers of Wisconsin. They've got resources available for farms that want to put together their plan of action in case of a tragedy. Stick around. Brenda and I talk about it coming up. I'm Pam Yankee. Glad you're along with us. Today is the 12th day of December. What can I tell you? Not a lot of real big items that strike me as far as our historical perspective is concerned. On this day in 1787, Pennsylvania becomes the second state to ratify the U.S. Constitution. On this day 
1991, Richard Gere wed supermodel Cindy Crawford. I'd forgotten that they were married. They didn't last real long, only about four years, but they got married on this day back in 1991. And now you know. I want you to know that despite Mother Nature's best intentions, the Wisconsin Farmers Union still had a very successful 92nd annual state convention that concluded on Saturday in Wisconsin Dells. Our own charity, Seebecker, was there. We'll have more on the convention later this week. But I can tell you they recognized some of their outstanding partners, including Joy Kirkpatrick and Mandela Barnes. The two were presented Friends of the Family Farmer Award. The first of those awards was given in 2013. It's designed to recognize those that have gone above and beyond in efforts on behalf of family farmers and rural communities. Joy Kirkpatrick, of course, University Extension staff, and Mandela Barnes, a previous candidate as U.S. Senate candidate. Again, those two, friend of the family farmer. The Builders Awards went to Jane Hansen from Okama. The Builders Award recognizes outstanding commitment to building Farmers Union through county involvement, leadership development, and member recruitment. Jane Hansen from Ogama presented this year's Builders Award. Then we had the Emerging Leader. It's the third year that they've presented this award, a special Emerging Leader Award to an individual that's ignited energy and engagement in the Farmers Union. This year's Emerging Leader was Paul Adams. Paul and his wife, Joanne, their daughter, Becky, have a farm in Oliva, and they have been very involved in the Wisconsin Farmers Union Dairy Together efforts. The Bruce Miller Award was announced this year as well. The 2023 Bruce Miller Award goes to Kathy Stotts. Uh, The award is named in honor of the late Bruce Miller, who was a very active member of the Wisconsin Farmers Union and served on the staff of the Minnesota Farmers Union. Now, Kathy Stotts wrapped up her Farmers Union career in 2022 after 30 years staffing and 41 years in summer participation at their Camp Kendall. So again, congratulations to all those award winners from the 92nd Wisconsin Farmers Union Convention. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. If you're interested in a rewarding career with a strong Wisconsin company, Rural Mutual Insurance is looking to add to their growing team of successful employees and agents. Apply online today at ruralmutual.com careers. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. Rhodes Warm and Serve Rolls are exactly what your meal has been missing. Whether you prefer a soft white roll, an artisan French style roll, or the tang of sourdough, Rhodes has a roll for you. We mix, knead, and bake them in Columbus, Wisconsin. Then freeze them to keep them fresh and send them off to your favorite grocery store. All you have to do is heat the rolls up and serve them with a smile. Find Rhodes Rolls in the freezer section today. Barrel cheese on Friday remained unchanged at 195. 40-pound block cheese gained two and a half, closed at 209 and a half. The double-A butter gained 12 and three-quarters cents back on Friday to 281 and a quarter per pound. Now this morning, Dow Jones Industrial Average is currently about 10 points higher. March corn's up two at 645. January soybeans are down 25 cents at 1459. March wheat up eight currently at 742. January milk currently up 13 at 1937 a hundredweights. Coming up in just a moment, you don't like to think about it. 
but accidents happen on the farm. Things just go wrong. Barns collapse. Barns catch fire. Uh, We have manure spills. How are you going to handle that kind of a crisis on your farm? Who's going to be involved in the conversation? What if media people like me want to tell your story? We're talking about how to prepare for crisis on the farm. That's up next. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. In the agricultural world, we have equipment to put the seed in the ground, take it all the way through its growing season, and put it in the bin. I would definitely recommend Ziegler. The equipment they sell and service is amazing. They care about you, they care about your businesses. They're there to help you, and that's their number one job. Whether you're a large farm, small farm, Ziegler has the equipment that's gonna take care of you and fit your needs, and the support and people to back it up. Reliability is everything, so that's why I choose Ziegler. For agriculture equipment, ZieglerAg.com. Staying connected with Wisconsin agriculture from your phone is now easier than ever with the Farm App. It's your source for the latest news, weather, and up-to-date markets. Catch up on our daily podcast and join the conversation on the topics that are directly impacting you. You can download the Farm App in Apple iTunes or Google Play stores by searching 97.7 FM The Farm, or you can visit MidwestFarmReport.com. Nobody knows windows like Wanakee Remodeling. Voted the best window company in Madison 10 years straight, our Renewal by Anderson windows are the most weather-tight, highest quality, and most durable on the market. Make sure you eliminate your old window and door problems. Go with the most trusted name in windows, Renewal by Anderson from Wanakee Remodeling. Pest control? You've got a guy for that. Car repairs? You probably have a guy for that as well. For someone to custom design a unique piece of jewelry for you, or help your current pieces look sparkling fresh, that needs to be William Thomas Custom Jewelry. Affordable and local, William Thomas Custom Jewelry will help you create a desirable, one-of-a-kind piece that you'll be proud to wear for years to come. William Thomas Custom Jewelry. Your inspiration, your custom jeweler. Pam is the name. Farm speak is the game. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Emergency preparedness. We talk about it all the time, don't we? Yeah, we should have a plan. And if you're in agriculture, you really do need a plan. Well, the harvest is behind us. So now you think, well, I don't have to worry about that until spring planting. Well, listen, folks, events occur in our lives that we did not see coming. Trying to have a little bit of a plan for a lot of different uh, challenges, maybe not a bad idea. We're talking with our friends from Dairy Farmers of Wisconsin today. Remember, you can always go to wisconsindairy.org and find out more about Dairy Farmers of Wisconsin, the great resources they've got on hand. In studio with us today is Brenda Murphy. She's one of the staff members that works directly with farms on the Dairy Farmers of Wisconsin staff. And, you know, Brenda and I were laughing because you're a perfect example of crisis preparedness. You may talk about it, you know, noodle something at the kitchen table, but you really don't get formal until something happens. And unfortunately, your family had that something happen. Yeah, unfortunately, we did. Um, and you're right. We we weren't as prepared as a family as we could have been. Um, but you, you get there really quick, really quickly, right? Um, because very quickly, you you know who should be on your team. Mm-hmm. And, and you start making those calls and you start making plans and you start taking that next step forward. As I've come to Dairy Farmers of Wisconsin, 
you've learned I've learned that every farm needs to have a crisis plan. Mm -hmm. And and that's just in the case of, you know, in our case, it was a barn fire, but it could be activists. It could be any number of things, a, a death on the farm, a death in the family. What what happens next? What's that next step? Who's on your team? And so it's really great to have that written down and reviewed at least once a year, if not twice. Um, people change careers, change jobs, uh, making sure their contact information is the same. Um, so all of those things and, and dust, dust off that plan. Make sure it's still who you need to talk to. So I'm here today to talk about, you know, creating that crisis plan, developing your team and and really making sure that your farm is prepared no matter what that crisis is that comes towards you. Well, and like you said, our crisis in agriculture could be a tornado that tears down some buildings. It could be it could be loss of power and your generator, you don't have one, you never thought about one. I mean, in agriculture, we have so many things that could go rogue on us at any given time to dismantle what we've been working at our entire careers. And I'm glad you brought up something as I'll say simple, but life-altering as a death of a primary player on the dairy can upend everything. So how do you evaluate a crisis management plan, Brenda? How do you get started? I mean, it may seem a little overwhelming, but you got to take that first step. You really do. And it is that first step. Um, for me, it's developing that team. Who is on your team? Certainly your processor needs to be part of that conversation. Um, if you think about, like you said, that generator goes out, yeah, and okay, you're going to call your mail caller, but then you better be calling your processor too and letting them know what's going on, what your plan is to mitigate that that crisis on your farm. Um, additionally, it, it, if we look at what just happened in New York with with that plant that there's the snow load collapsed collapsed the roof of that plant. Okay, if 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 that were to happen here in Wisconsin, what is the plan? So it's it's generating some of those thoughts and ideas of, okay, here's what happens if it's on the farm. Here's what happens if it's out of our control, but what is our next step? And and there are plenty of opportunities of, of creating partnerships with your processor, your co-op, if you're, if you're part of that, um, your veterinarian, nutritionist, making sure they're all aware of what your plans are and having their input too. And it's not a bad idea to have your banker or your insurance agent as part of those conversations, too. Again, this is a once a year uh, conversation, we hope, right? You hope you don't have to bring that out in the middle of the year to actually deal with it. But having that conversation at least once a year uh, so everybody's on the same page and talking with one voice. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about what are considered some of the major points uh, principles of crisis management. Again, we're dealing in an area that a lot of farms, farm families don't necessarily think through critically. But what are some of the principles that we have to keep in mind, Brenda, when we're trying to put these plans together? Well, I think it's important that that everybody reminds, is is conscious that the public, the consumer doesn't demand perfection. They want to see constant improvement. Right. And I think that's what all farmers are there for. Right. That's why we do research. That, that's why we go to seminars. That's why we go to conferences, because you want to keep up to date on the latest and greatest, quote unquote. But how to do things better, do things differently on your farm that that can make a difference for that next generation. I also think it's, again, always having um, those meetings, but setting those expectations. 
so everybody knows what their step is in that plan. Because if you've got people, you know, um, they know what the plan is, but they don't know what their role is, you can get quite confused in that that as well. And and you have to take action. You can't just have a plan and and not be prepared to go that next step. So if if it requires, you know, uh, a media release, are you prepared to do that? Who are your contacts for that? How are you going to share your information with the public to minimize impact to your dairy, the dairy industry, your processor, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think, um, you know, how do you minimize a plan for, you know, how do you minimize the, the crisis itself? Right. Yeah. Before it gets completely out of hand or blows up even bigger. Yeah. And part of that is having that that one voice. So you're not saying something different from your processor, mm-hmm. um, the end brand, mm-hmm. you know. So if if your product goes into making a, a pizza cheese that ends up on um, some national brand pizza, let's all be talking with the same same pizza. message here. Mm-hmm. Um, so make sure that that's part of your crisis plan as well. Um, uh, again, I think it's it's knowing what to say, who is saying it, who are your key spokespeople. You know, um, the owner of the dairy might not be that key spokesperson. They're an owner for of the dairy for a reason. They they like what they do, but they may not be the best person to put in front of cameras or media. And that might be one of the toughest conversations to have. Oh yeah, that that ha- that can be. And and so you really have to define who that right person is. Yeah. Um and and that's why knowing your role. Yep. Well, and like you said, how you create a plan but you have to be ready to use the plan and everybody needs to know the role in the plan. Again, Brenda Murphy from Dairy Farmers of Wisconsin in studio with us. I'm sure that this kind of surprises you talking about crisis management, but again, as I said, uh, there are so many different elements that could impact a dairy farm in Wisconsin, and we need to be ready because, as you pointed out at the outset, Brenda, there are a lot of people that don't know what we do in production agriculture. Um, An unsavory point that needs to be dealt with immediately, like maybe carcass removal of animals, not something that the average consumer understands, wants to see, but it still needs to be addressed properly. Those are the kinds of things we're talking about when it comes to crisis management. Yes, yes. And as we head into winter, um, the, there's not a winter that goes by that we don't hear about snow load, collapsing a barn roof, injured animals, deceased animals. Um, for no other reason, I think winter is a great time for, for farmers to pull out a crisis plan or, or get one started if they yeah. haven't. There's no time like the present. Yeah, and, exactly. and get it started. Know who the stakeholders are. Know, get that list going. Right. Um, and And I would also say... Being being on the, <laughs> if you're that neighbor and you get questioned about what's happening on your neighbor's farm or, or yeah. the crisis mm-hmm. that's happening there, you can't really speak for what they are going through. Right. And, and this is part of that speak with one voice, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you can, you can say, I feel for my neighbors. I, I took a casserole over or something. Yeah. Right. But you can't speak about you what they are going through until you have really walked in those shoes. Oh, yeah. Oh. And so that's that's another um, part that I think farmers always want to, you know, they always want to say, oh, man, I can't imagine what they're going through. 
Yeah, we can't. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the media is going to reach out. Yes, they are because they want a story, and you, and they can't always get a hold of that primary farm yeah. for that conversation. Mm-hmm. So they'll go to a neighbor, they'll go to a a key farm in the area, yep. uh, the county, mm-hmm. um, and and being able to step back and say, I can't really speak for for that farm, um, but I know that any farmer is going to be doing their best sure. and trying their hardest to make right. sure that the animals are cared for, the people are cared for, sure. uh, we yeah. ourselves took casseroles over right. or whatever. Well, you know? Or ideally, like you said, ideally it would be the farm saying, hey, wait a minute, you don't have to talk to them. Talk to me because you've got your talking points or you've got kind of your general guidelines ready to go. Mm-hmm. Now that brings me to my, my final point, Brenda, and again, Brenda Murphy from Dairy Farms of Wisconsin in studio. How do I get started? Are you guys at Dairy Farmers of Wisconsin helping, or what do I have to do to begin this conversation, this process? Yeah, absolutely. So as a checkoff, your checkoff, whether it's your local checkoff or your national, because I know, Pam, you have viewer listeners outside of Wisconsin, so uh, Midwest area and so on. We all have resources that are available for farmers to help start their crisis plan. In addition, many veterinarians also have have a start for a crisis plan. Many of your businesses do as well. So even if you don't know somebody directly from checkoff, but you really want to get started, and I do recommend that you do, any of your key stakeholders should be able to direct you in a crisis plan start, right? And things will be different a little bit for every dairy. Who your contact system is, how that phone tree will work, you have key players in our industry that you are probably already partners with and feel comfortable talking to that reach out, get started, get one on the books, bring it out at least once a year, have that conversation about, okay, what has changed on our dairy? Who has changed in this key plan? Stakeholders or or key people within our dairy, you know, employees that if they're there for cow management, and they have moved on, who's their replacement? Let's right. make sure that those key numbers are there and the right person is being contacted for the right thing. Get that plan together. They will help you. WisconsinDairy.org is the site you want to start with. Looking for that spokesperson training information. And like Brenda said, network with others to make sure they realize you've got a plan. Brenda Murphy in studio with us. She's part of the Dairy Farmers of Wisconsin team that works directly with producers on a lot of different items, including this kind of crisis preparation. WisconsinDairy.org, the place to start. With Dairy Farmers of Wisconsin's Brenda Murphy, I'm Pam Yonke. This is the Midwest.